Chapter Eleven of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Eleven, The Home Port. The darkness of the night slowly lifted, revealing only a gray, leaden sky. There was no dawn such as had gladdened their hearts the morning before. No fresh awakening of the day instead the coldness and gloom of the night seemed but to creep a little farther away leaving its shadow over the world a drizzling rain began to fall and the wanderers on the beach were destined to a new draught of misery only agatha watched however james gave no sign of caring or even of knowing whether the sun shone or hid its face he had slept fitfully since their hour of wakefulness together in the night and several times he had shown signs of extreme restlessness at these periods he would talk incoherently agatha being able to catch only a word now and then once he endeavoured to get up bent apparently upon performing some fancied duty far away agatha soothed him talked to him as a mother talks to a sick child cajoled and commanded him and though he was restless and voluble yet he obeyed her readily enough as the rain began to descend agatha bethought herself earnestly as to what could be done she first persuaded james to drink a little more of the milk and afterward took what was left herself less than half a cupful then she set the bucket out to catch the rain she felt keenly the need of food and water and now that there was no one to heed her movements she found it difficult to keep up the show of courage she still trusted in hand but even at best he might yet be several hours in returning and cold and hunger can reduce even the stoutest heart if hand did not return but there was no answer to that if she believed he would come the soft rain cast a pall over the ocean so that only a small patch of sea was visible and it flattened the waves until the blue flashing white-capped sea of yesterday was now a smooth gray surface touched here and there by a bit of frothy scum agatha looked out through the deep curtain of mist remembering the night the jeanne d'arc and her recent peril most vividly of all she heard in her memory a voice shouting keep up i'm coming i'm coming ah what a welcome coming that had been was he to die now here on her hands after the worst of their struggle was over she turned quickly back to james vowing in her heart it should not be she would save him if it lay in human power to save her hardest task was to move their camp up into the edge of the brushwood where they might have the shelter of the trees there was a place near the handle of the sickle where the rock wall partly disappeared and the undergrowth from the cliff reached almost to the beach it was from here that hand had begun his ascent and here agatha chose a place under a clump of bayberry where she could make another bed for james the ground there was still comparatively dry she coaxed james to his feet and helped him with some difficulty up to the more sheltered spot he was stronger physically now in his delirium than he had been during his period of sanity in the night 
she made him sit down while she ran back to gather an armful of the fir boughs to spread out for his bed but she had scarcely started back for the old camp before james got to his feet and staggered after her she met him just as she was returning and had to drop her load take her patient by the arm and guide him back to the new shelter he went peacefully enough but leaned on her more and more heavily until at last his knees weakened under him and he fell agatha's heart smote her they were near the bayberry bush though entirely out from its protection as the drizzling rain settled down thicker and thicker about them agatha tried again slowly she coaxed james to his knees and slowly she helped him creep as she had crept toward him in the night along between the stones and up into the sheltered corner under the bayberry it was only a little better than the open and it had taken such prodigies of strength to get there agatha made a pillow for james's head and sat by him looking earnestly at his flushed face and from her heart she sighed ah dear man it was too hard it was too hard it was a long and weary wait for help though help of a most efficient kind was on the way agatha had been looking and listening toward the upper wood whither hand had disappeared she had even called from time to time on the chance that she could help to guide the assisting party back to the cove at last as she listened for a reply to her call she heard another sound that set her wondering it was the peter peter of a motor-boat she looked out over the small expanse of ocean that was visible to her but could see nothing nevertheless the boat was approaching as its puffing proclaimed it grew more and more distinct and presently a strong voice shouted ahoy are you there three times the shout came agatha made a trumpet of her hands and answered with a call on two notes clear and strong all right came back and then call again we can't find you and so she called again and again though there were tears in her eyes and a lump in her throat for very relief and joy when her eyes cleared she saw the boat and watched while it anchored well off the rocks then two men put ashore in a rowboat and where are our patients came a deep steady voice from the rocks this way sir i think mademoiselle has moved the camp up under the trees was the reply unmistakably the voice of mr hunt and there they found agatha kneeling by james and trying to coax him to his feet quick quick they have come you will be cared for now you will be well again she was saying she saw hunt approach and heard him say this way doctor there the gentleman is up here under the trees and then for the first time in all the long ordeal agatha's nerves broke and her throat filled with sobs as the ex-chauffeur came near she reached a hand up to him while with the other she covered her weeping eyes in shame oh i'm so glad you've come i'm so glad you've come she tried to say but it was only a whisper through her sobs i'm sorry i was gone so long said hand touching her timidly on the shoulder tell the doctor to take care of him she begged in the faintest of voices and then she crept away thinking to hide her nerves until she should come to herself again but hand followed her to the niche in the rocks where she fled 
covered her with something big and warm and before she knew it he had made her drink a cup that was comforting and good then he gave her food in little bits from a basket and sweet water out of a bottle agatha's soul revived within her and her heart became brave again though she still felt as if she could never move from her hard damp resting-place among the rocks you stay there please mademoiselle adjured mr hand when we get the boat ready i'll come for you then standing by her in his submissive way he added a thought of his own it's very hard mademoiselle to see you cry i'm not crying shrieked agatha though her voice was muffled in her arms very well mademoiselle acquiesced the polite hand and departed two men could not have been found who were better fitted for managing a relief expedition than hand and dr thayer agatha found herself after an unknown period of time sitting safe under the canvas awning of the launch protected by a generous cloak comforted with food and stimulant and relieved of the pressing anxiety that had filled the last hours in the cove she had in the end been quite unable to help but the immediate need for her help was past dr thayer coming with his satchel of medicines had at first given his whole attention to james examining him quickly and skilfully as he lay where agatha had left him later he came to agatha with a few questions which she answered clearly but james left alone immediately showed such a tendency to wander around following the hallucinations of his brain that the doctor decided that he must have a sedative before he could be taken away the needle that friend of man in pain was brought into use and presently they were able to leave the cove dr thayer and mr hunt carried james to the rowboat and the engineer who had stayed in the launch helped them lift him into the larger boat no more walking at present for this man said the doctor they were puffing briskly over the water with a tiny rowboat from the jean d'arc and the boat belonging to the launch cutting a long broken furrow behind them mr hunt was minding the engine while the engineer and owner of the launch little simon so called probably because he was big stood forward handling the wheel jim was lying on some blankets and oilskins on the floor of the boat the doctor sitting beside him on a cracker-box agatha feeling useless and powerless to help sat on the narrow uncomfortable seat at the side watching the movements of the doctor she was unable to tell whether doubt or hope prevailed in his rugged countenance at last she ventured her question but before replying dr thayer looked up at her keenly as if to judge how much of the truth she would be able to bear the hemorrhage was caused by the strain he said at last slowly it is bad enough with this fever if his constitution is sound he may pull through not very encouraging but agatha extracted the best from it oh i'm so thankful she exclaimed dr thayer looked at her a deep interest showing in his grim old face while she looked at james he studied her as if some unusual characteristic claimed his attention but he made no comment dr thayer was short in stature massively built with the head and trunk of some ancient vulcan 
his heavy large features had a rugged nobility like that of the mountains his face was smooth-shaven ruddy brown and deeply marked with lines of care but most salient of all his features was the massively moulded chin and jaw his lips too were thick and full without giving the least impression of grossness and when he was thinking he had a habit of thrusting his underjaw slightly forward which made him look much fiercer than he ever felt thin white hair covered his temples and grew in a straggling fringe around the back of his head upon which he wore a broad-brimmed soft black hat dr thayer would have been noticeable a man of distinction anywhere and yet here he was with his worn satchel and his old-fashioned clothes travelling year after year over the countryside to the relief of farmers and fishermen he knew his science too it never occurred to him to doubt whether his sphere was large enough for him i haven't found out yet where we are or to what place we are going will you tell me sir asked agatha you came ashore near ram's head one of the worst reefs on the coast of maine and we're heading now for charlesport that's over yonder beyond that next point dr thayer answered after a moment he added i know nothing about your misfortunes but i assume that you capsized in some pesky boat or other when you get good and ready you can tell me all about it in the meantime what is your name young woman the doctor turned his searching blue eyes toward agatha again a courteous but eager inquiry underneath his brusque manner it is a strange story dr thayer said agatha somewhat reluctantly but some time you shall hear it i must tell it to somebody for i need help my name is agatha redmond and i am from new york and this gentleman is james hamilton of lynn so he told me he risked his life to save mine after we had abandoned the ship i don't doubt it said dr thayer gruffly some blind dash into the future is the privilege of youth that's why it's all recklessness and foolishness agatha looked at him keenly struck by some subtle irony in his voice i think it is what you yourself would have done sir she said the doctor thrust out his chin in his disconcerting way and gave not the least smile but his small blue eyes twinkled my business is to see just where i'm going and to know exactly what i'm doing was the dry answer he turned a watchful look toward james lying still there between them then he knelt down putting an ear over the patient's heart all right he assured her as he came up but we never know how those organs are going to act satisfying himself further in regard to james he waited some time before he addressed agatha again then he said very deliberately the ocean is a savage enemy my brother hercules used to quote that old greek philosopher who said praise the sea but keep on land and sometimes i think he was right agatha's tired mind had been trying to form some plan for their future movements she was uneasily aware that she would soon have to decide to do something and of course she ought to get back to new york as soon as possible but she could not leave james hambleton her friend and rescuer nor did she wish to she was pondering the question as the doctor spoke then suddenly at his words a curtain of memory snapped up my brother hercules and charlesport 
she leaned forward looking earnestly into the doctor's face oh tell me she cried impulsively is it possible that you knew hercules thayer that he was your brother and are we in the neighbourhood of ilion yes 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 assented the doctor nodding to each of her questions in turn and i thought it was you agatha shaw's girl from the first but you should have come down by land he dictated grimly oh i didn't intend to come down at all cried agatha either by land or water at least not yet dr thayer's jaw shot out and his eyes shone but not with humour this time he looked distinctly irritated but my dear miss agatha redmond where did you intend to go agatha couldn't by any force of will keep her voice from stammering as she answered i wasn't going anywhere i was kidnapped dr thayer looked sternly at her then reached toward his medicine chest my dear young woman why is it that when a person is particularly out of temper he is constrained to say my dear so-and-so my dear young woman said dr thayer that's all right but you must take a few drops of this solution and let me feel your pulse indeed doctor it is all so just as i say interrupted agatha i'm not feverish or out of my head not the least bit i can't tell you the whole story now i'm too tired yes that's so my dear child said the doctor but in such an evident tone of yielding to a delirious person that he nearly threw her into a fever with anger but on the whole agatha was too tired to mind he took her hand felt of her pulse and slowly shook his head but what he had to say if he had anything was necessarily postponed the launch was putting into the harbor of charlesport even on the dull day of their arrival charlesport was a pleasant-looking place stretching up a steep hill beyond the ribbon of street that bordered its harbor fish-houses and small docks stood out here and there and one larger dock marked the farthest point of land a great derrick stood by one wharf with piles of granite block nearby little simon was calling directions back to hand at the engine as they chucked past fishing smacks and mooring poles past lobster-pot boys and a little bug lighthouse threading their way into the harbor and up to the dock agatha appealed to the doctor with great earnestness surely dr thayer it is a providence that we came in just here where people will know me and will help me i need shelter for a little while and care for my sick friend here where can we go dr thayer cast a judicial eye over the landscape while he held his hat up into the breeze it's going to clear it'll be a fine afternoon said he then deliberately why don't you go up to the old red house sally kingsbury's there keeping it just as she did when hercules was alive waiting for you or the lawyer or somebody to turn her out i guess and it's only five miles by the good road you couldn't go to any of these sailor shacks down here and the big summer hotel over yonder isn't any place for a sick man let alone a lady without her trunk agatha looked in amazement at the doctor go to the old red house to stay why not if you're agatha redmond it's yours isn't it 
and i guess nobody's going to dispute your being agatha shaw's daughter looking as you do the house is big enough for all creation and besides they've been on pins and needles waiting for you to come or write or do something the doctor gave a grim chuckle hercules surprised them all some by his will but they'll all be glad to see you i guess unless it is sister susan she was always pretty hard on hercules and she didn't approve of the will thought the house ought to go to the foundling asylum agatha looked as if she saw the gates of eden open to her but could i really go there would it be all right i've not even seen the lawyer there was no need of answers to her questions she knew already that the old red house would receive her would be a refuge for herself and for james who needed a refuge so sorely the doctor was already making his plans i'll drive this man here indicating james and he'll need some one to nurse him for a while too you can go up in one of simon nash's wagons and i'll get a nurse up there as soon as i can the launch had tied up to the larger dock and hand and little simon had been waiting some minutes while agatha and the doctor conferred together now as agatha hesitated the business-like hand was at her elbow i can help you mademoiselle if you will let me i have had some experience with sick men agatha looked at him with grateful eyes only half realizing what it was he was offering the doctor did not wait but immediately took the arrangement for granted he began giving orders in the tone of a man who knows just what he wants done and knows also that he will be obeyed you stay here mr hand and help with this gentleman and little simon here you go up to your father's livery stable and harness up quick as you can then drive up to my place and get the boy to bring my buggy down here with the white horse quick you understand tell them the doctor's waiting agatha sat in the launch while the doctor's orders were carried out little simon was off getting the vehicles dr thayer had run up the dock to the village street on some errand saying he would be back by the time the carriages were there and hand was walking up and down the dock keeping a watchful eye on the launch james was lying in the sheltered corner of the boat ominously quiet his eyes were closed and his face had grown ghastly in his illness tears came to agatha's eyes as she looked at him seeing how much worse his condition was than when he had talked with her almost happily in the night she herself felt miserably tired and ill and as she waited she had the sensation one sometimes has in waiting for a train that the waiting would go on for ever would never end the weather changed as the doctor had prophesied and the rain ceased fresh gusts of wind from the sea blew clouds of fog and mist inland while the surface of the water turned from gray to green from green to blue the wind blowing against the receding tide tossed the foam back toward the land in fantastic plumes agatha looking out over the sea which now began to sparkle in the light longed in her heart to take the return of the sunshine as an omen of good it warmed and cheered her body and soul as her eyes turned from the sea to the village tossed up beyond its highest tides she searched though in vain for some spot which she could identify with the memories of her childhood she must have seen charlesport in some one of her numerous visits to ilion as a child 
but though she recalled vividly many of her early experiences they were in no way suggestive of this tiny antiquarian village or of the rocky hillside stretching off toward the horizon a narrow road wound athwart the hill leading into the country beyond it was steep and rugged and finally it curved over the distant fields but the old red house was the talisman that brought back to her mind the familiar picture she wondered if it lay over the hill beyond that rugged road she closed her eyes and saw the green fields the mighty balm of gilead tree the lilac bushes and the dull red walls of the house standing back from the village street not far from the white steepled church she could see it all plainly the thought came to her suddenly that it was home it was the first realization she had of old hercules thayer's kindness it was home for her who had else been homeless she hugged the thought in thankfulness now miss agatha redmond if you will come the eternity had ended and time with its swift procession of hours and days had begun again End of chapter 11